You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. John chapter, first John chapter three, the words will be on the screen. I'm encouraging you, if you have a Bible that you're going to, that you follow along with me, if you, if you have a digital device uh, through the sermon that you will follow along with me, I want you to see the words in first John this morning. It's really important. So we'll, we'll, we'll begin with uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is, speaking of Jesus. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. You may be seated. So we're wrapping up this sermon series, Christians Say the Darndest Things. This is the last statement that uh, we'll be looking at in the series. Next week, I'm going to try to bring it all together, and we're going to look at the different names of God that that, that I've been introducing you to through each of the sermons in this series. But this is the last statement uh, that we're going to be looking at. And so each sermon is meant to kind of... piggyback off of the previous sermon in this series. And just to kind of give, just to kind of refresh your, your memory a little bit, and if you're new, you can check out the sermons on our webpage. Uh, they're all manuscripted. They're the, you can watch the video. You can listen to the podcast. You can even subscribe to, our, to the sermon podcast. We started out with God helps those who help themselves. Then uh, I talked about, we looked at the statement, God will not give you more than you can handle. Then we followed up with the, the following week with everything happens for a reason. And then we considered the statement, bad things happen to good people. Then we, uh, we, I, I broached that uncomfortable subject, money. <laughs> money is the root of all evil. That's another statement I've heard Christians say. And then uh, the next one was just follow your heart. Uh, the, the one that uh, my kids thought it was the weirdest, the weirdest sermon they ever heard. Uh, or seen me preach is uh, I'm not getting fed. I don't know if, if you weren't here. I uh, drank from a baby bottle the entire service. And then last week, heaven gained another angel. 
So we looked at that. And then this week, uh, we're all God's children. How many of you have heard that statement, we're all God's children, right? Yeah, just about all of you. We've, we, yeah, I'm not going to ask you if you think it's true. I just want you to see what the, the Word of God says. Um, but before we get there, I want to just kind of remind you of some of the things we talked about last week, and that is we're all, like, human beings are created in the image of God. We are set apart from the rest of, of creation. We're not part of the animal kingdom. We are above the animal kingdom. Uh, when God uh, created Adam and Eve, we're told that he created them in his image, according to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. We are the only creature that bears the image of the living God. And then uh, Psalm 8 is a, is a, you know, the Psalms are the songs of the, of, of the Bible, and they were sung in Hebrew, but Psalm 8 celebrates this, just how God has made us in his image. I won't read the entire Psalm to you, but it says that you have made him a little lower, speaking of us, than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, uh, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Like God, has, God gave mankind the authority and the responsibility to manage creation. By the way, that's still, that, that call, that responsibility still exists today. And so... We're, we're, we're set apart from creation. We are a little while under the, the angels, but I said last week, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the child of God, one day will judge angels. I talked about that um, last week. You can visit that sermon. And, and so, so valuable is human life that we are the only creature that God said, if one of you kills another then the one who was responsible for murdering will then, will then experience capital punishment. Whoever takes human life shall surely be put to death. That's in the Bible, by the way. The death penalty is not a bad thing um, for those who, who, who are truly guilty of murder. Unlike creation, we are the only creature that is in rebellion towards God from the moment of birth. Like your cat, your dog, they're not in rebellion towards God. Regardless of, of, of what you think, they're acting out and playing their part in creation in obedience to the way God has designed them. But we, we're in rebellion towards him. Psalm 51 verse 5 says this, Behold, what? Let's read it together because maybe, maybe some of you need to be reminded of this. Ready? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, you know, that I, I, I was born with this nature that, that is in rebellion towards God. You know, and, and, and if we're all honest, we, we acknowledge that. I say this frequently. You, <laughs> for those of you who are parents, you do not need to teach your child how to lie. They do that instinctively. It's part of, it, because of the, this nature in them that's in rebellion towards God. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, we're described in this way that at one point in time, if you're a Christian, this is what used to be true of you. If you're not a Christian, this is what is still true of you. 
following the prince of the power of the air, so we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, and we were following the prince of the power of the air, that is the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, and were by nature children of what? Wrath, like the rest of mankind. But that is who we were, if you're a Christian. That's who you are, if you're not a Christian. And the purpose of First John, I, one of these days, I was thinking about this this week, one of these days, I just want to do a whole sermon series through First John. Um, but I, I want to kind of give you a glimpse of, of what the apostle is trying to communicate in this, in this little letter. But he tells us the purpose of why he wrote the letter in the first place towards the end of the letter. He said this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the whole purpose of why the Apostle John wrote 1 John. And so what I want to do is just look at, look at chapter 3 and, and see how John contrasts the child of God with the, against the child of the devil. And uh, just so you know, like all of us at one point in life, because we're children of wrath, the Bible says we were a child of the devil. And they're like, oh, I never heard that before. It's, it's in the Bible. And, and I, I know it's not really great news. It's not easy to hear. But I want to start off with the good news first. Chapter 3, verse 1. See, the apostle begins, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. He begins by saying, look at this. This is so awesome. This is so amazing. Like last week I talked about you know, 1 Peter chapter 1, where the angels marvel at this. We're recipients of what the angels marvel over and that is that we have received the love of, of, of the Father. Even when we were running from him and even when we were dead in our sins and even when we were children of wrath and even when our allegiance was with the prince of the power of air, whether it was subconscious or consciously, he pursued us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. I, I like the way the NIV uh, translates this. Let's, let's read this together. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. And, and so John is encouraging the child of God in his letter, and he's encouraging the child of God in chapter 3. And if you are a child of God, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is good news for you, and it's good news for me, that we're recipients of this. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, by the way. And if you're reading through 1 John at some point in your life and, and, and you want some context for 1 John, read the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John was written so that we might believe in him also. But at the beginning of the Gospel of John, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, John says this about you and about me, if you are a Christian. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Like if you're a Christian, 
you experience the miracle. And that miracle is that you went from being, being a child of wrath to becoming a child of God because God did something supernatural and miraculous in your heart, in your life. And, uh, and so John is celebrating this. James Montgomery Boyce, who I, I've read a, a bunch of his stuff, he's in heaven now. Um, he was the pastor of a church in Philadelphia, 10th Presbyterian Church. He had this like deep, booming voice, like, dear God. I'm like, wow, that guy is really short. <laughs> that was my first thought. Um, but he said this. All that just to say a quote, I'm sorry. Men and women become God's children when God the Father of his own will takes the seed of his word and plants it within the heart, causing it to unite with the ovum of saving faith, which together begin to grow. That's the miracle of saving faith. That's the miracle of salvation. That you cannot experience the salvation apart from the gospel, the word of God, and the power of God's spirit generating life in you. How many of you are parents? Like you have a child. It could be out of the house or whatever, right? Do you remember when you saw that first ultrasound? How many of you remember the first ultrasound that you saw? And you saw that little fluttering heart. Remember that? And you were kind of stoked about this, like, wow, that's a human life. Like, that is crazy that, that, this, is, that this, this miracle that is in the womb uh, is, is the result of uh, the miracle of love between a man and a woman and, and the miracle of conception. Like, here's a human life that's in, being molded and shaped in the womb. And according to Psalm 139, like, God is doing this work and and so then you so then you're like okay we have a there's this child and then how many of you found out the sex of of your child like did the whole you know I want to find out if this is a boy or a girl because I don't want to waste money on lots of baby clothes right how many of you thought you're having a boy but you or, or, or thought you're having one gender but you wound up having the other gender anybody yeah a couple of you <laughs> but but remember that moment like especially if you're trying to figure out, is this going to be a boy or is this child going to be a girl? Like, we did that. I forget what, it's somewhere between, I think, 14 weeks and 20-some weeks where you can, you know, discover the, the sex of the child. And we brought Nathan with us when we found out that Seth was going to be, well, we didn't know if Seth was going to be a girl or a boy at this point, but we brought Nathan with us to find out the sex of this child. And Nathan was really hoping for a brother. He wanted to be a big brother. And we were kind of hoping for a girl. We wanted a girl. We were good with whatever. But when the nurse said, yep, this is definitely a boy, in the back, because Nathan was kind of like in the back, all we heard was, yes! <laughs> that, was, that was Nathan. He was so thrilled. And then, and then like, and then so you're anticipating the, the, the birth of this child. Why are you anticipating the birth of this child? Because this human life, is going, you're going to hold this human life in your hands not long from, from then, right? And so, so then the birth happens, and, and here comes out the child. And, and so after Seth was born, Nathan could not wait to, to meet his baby brother. And I have a picture. I, I didn't post it, but there's a picture of Nathan holding Seth with this huge smile on his face. He was just so delighted. When, when, he, when my mom, who was staying with us, brought Nathan to the hospital, he was just, he was beaming. He was so excited. Like, we were all excited about the birth of Seth. And, and so, so, but it would be weird if we expected Seth to remain a baby all of his, like, existence, right? 
Why are you excited about the birth of a child? Because you get to, you get to raise this child. You get, to, you get to care for this child. You get to do everything that you can to, to see to it that this child is not only a, a productive citizen in, in his or her community, but this child um, you know, knows, is introduced to this God that you love and, and worships this God that, 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 that you love and that you worship. Well, John is saying here, you know, the person who is a child of God exhibits the, the reality that that child is related to this God who brought new life into him or her. Does that make sense? So John says in verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What is John saying here? Well, what John is saying here is that once a person experiences new birth or is born again, that person will begin to grow in his or her faith as a, as a, a person who worships God and who has you know, placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And as that person grows in his or her faith, this is what's going to happen. That person's going to look more and more like Jesus until the day Jesus appears. And then we will be like him as he is. That's, that's what John is saying here. He's saying, if you are a child of God, you will, you will look more and more like a member of his family. That's what he's saying. And, and, and Peter said the same thing. I talked about it last week. You want to know what the evidence is that you are truly born again? Well, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. I said last week, and for some of you were shocked when you heard this, that if you do not love Jesus, you are not a Christian. Because the evidence that, that, there, that you were born again is a love for this one who saved you and a love for the God who who, who chased you down and, and, and saved you through his son. And, and so John is saying something similar here. He said, um, you know, this is who we are. And he says in verse 3, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What is John saying? Is he saying that you're working... You, you know, you're, you're, you're making sure that you're saved, that, that, that you're holding on to your salvation? No, I don't think he's saying that at all. He's saying, what he's saying is that um, just as it is, it is, it's natural for a child to breathe air because it, that child is living and for that child to crave milk because that child is living, so it is natural and so it is the result of, of someone who is born again to crave the God who rescued him or her. To, to desire the God who rescued him or her. And so I'm just going to do a little survey of all of First uh, John. The verses will be on the screen. You'll, the manuscript should be up by Wednesday. But here's what we learn of the child of God in, in First John. And there may be more, but I listed 13 characteristics of the child of God according to First John. A child of God loves God. Let's just go through these. A child of God understands that he or she is a sinner. A child of God depends upon Jesus as his or her righteousness. 
A child of God loves what God loves and hates what God hates. A child of God rejects the world. And by the way, what that means, and this is why I want to preach through 1 John, is not that you hate people in the world, it's that the ethics of the world is not the ethics that you live by anymore. A child of God understands that Jesus is the only Son of God, that he is God in flesh. A child of God abides in Jesus as his or her joy and satisfaction, that in Jesus is life. Let's go to the next one. A child of God repents from sin. When you sin, you're grieved by it. Um, A child of God loves others, especially those who belong to Jesus. A child of God rejects false teaching and their teachers. A child of God is indwelled by the Holy Spirit and is evidenced by his or her love for God and others. And a child of God desires to obey God. And a child of God's faith can survive hard times until the end, meaning when things get really difficult, when, when, when the, 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 the rug of life is you know, pulled from underneath of you, or when it feels like that you are standing on the ashes of all that you cared for and all that you cared about, it will not destroy your faith. Why? Because you are a living, breathing child of God. That's why. And, and that's one of the reasons why I have said multiple times that, that uh, when you become a child of God, you cannot lose your salvation. Like, that does, that's not reversible. What may be true is that if you're not, if this, if this is not the process that is your life, you may not be a child of God. Like, if you don't love Jesus, you may not be a child of God. If you're in unrepentant sin and you don't give a rip what God thinks, you may not be a child of God. Meaning, you may have never been a child of God. Just because you said some prayer at Miss McGillicuddy's uh, backyard Bible club, right, doesn't mean you're a Christian. Parents, you need to hear that. Just because your little child repeated a prayer is not fire insurance to keep that child from hell. Some of you are like, really? Yes. Like, saving faith happens when you hear the gospel, you understand it, and it penetrates the seat of your emotions. That's saving faith. That's when you've been born again. Now, some children become genuine born-again believers. I think uh, Seth was maybe nine, and I believe what happened in his life was genuine and and it was real. And the evidence of his faith will be shown throughout his life. You know, I see fruits, the fruit of new life in his life. Like I told you, he came up to me and said, Dad, let's read the Bible together. That doesn't come from a spiritually dead kid. Or um, I introduced him to the Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen the Passion of the Christ? Yeah, you know, he's 11. So the first thing he said, wow, this is the first rated R movie I'll ever be able to see. (laughs) I said, true. (laughs) But there are certain scenes you're not allowed to watch in the Passion of the Christ just because I know you can't handle it. As he watched the, the, the movie, he was... He was affected by it. Emotionally, he was affected by it, as many of us were you know, watching it. God is doing you know, something in, a, in that little boy's heart. And, and, and what he's doing, he's doing the same thing he's doing in you if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You were growing, and you're being molded and shaped more and more into the image of his son. And, and the things that, you know, that displease God more and more are starting to dis- make, grieve your heart too. When you sin, you, you, you're, what you're, you ought to be experiencing is, man, why did I do that? I feel horrible that I did that. 
Whereas before you were a Christian, you didn't feel so bad about it. That, those are the evidences that you are a child of God. And then, who are the ch- children of the devil? Again, just, just camping in First John here. It is not biblically true to say that we're all God's children. What is true is that we're all God's creation. What is true is that the child of God, when the child of God dies, will face the judgment seat in a way that only leads to eternal life, and eventually that child of God will also judge angels because we will be the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. But for the child of the devil, the place reserved for the person who's not heard or believed the gospel is hell. The place that's reserved for the devil, eventually the Antichrist and the demons. This is not me telling you this. This is what's in the scriptures. And so John, in an effort to encourage those who truly believe, lists some, some characteristics of those who, who, who do not believe. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, actually we'll have the scripture passages. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, it's like a persistent walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Let's go to the next one. In chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, read this with me, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life, what's that? The same thing that Adam and Eve experienced when they took the fruit and ate and and, and bit into it. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is from the world. Let's go to to the next one. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love who? Brothers and sisters. <laughs> like Some of us need a lesson on this one. The evidence that you are a child of God is that you love other, uh, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. You love others that belong to the family. You love your neighbor too. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a what? That's harsh. That's what John says. And you know, and and by the way, he's just telling you what Jesus already said. If you hate, you're guilty of murder. If you look at a person with lustful intent, you're guilty of adultery. Jesus said that. And you know that no murderer has what? Eternal life abiding in him. All right, let's go to the next one. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? A liar, for he does not love God his brother, or for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, well, who's the him? Jesus. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Some of you are like, oh, so am I a Christian? Like, I mean, like, I kind of, I'm wondering now. I want to encourage you, at the very beginning, beginning of John's letter, he offers this encouragement in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Let's read this together. You ready? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So John, he even says, if you, if you claim that you're without sin, you're a liar. You don't know, you're not a child of God, because every child of God who has been born again knows that there is this part of us that's in rebellion towards God, that we do things that displease him. 
but we don't camp there for the rest of our lives. We go to him and we seek for, for, you know, for forgiveness. In 1 John, again, in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one keeps on sinning has, has either seen him or known him. So what is John saying there? Because there are some camps out there that read that and say, well, then John must be saying either when you become a Christian, you're just not going to sin anymore. Some would say, well, what John is saying there is that after you become a Christian, you are progressively becoming holy, and you can experience total perfect holiness on this side of eternity before you even die. And, um, and there is a denomination you know, in, in Cheyenne that believes that. Read, their, read doctrinal statements of churches, and, and you'll see. And I don't think John is saying any of those things, especially in the context of this letter. What John is saying is, if you camp in your sin, if you are engrossed in deliberate sin, unrepentant sin, then you probably don't belong to God. At the very least, I'll say this just pastorally, at the very least, it is a very dangerous place to be. And so we're encouraged, by the way, to encourage others to examine their hearts. That was another statement I should have put in the sermon series. You have no right to judge me. That's another stupid thing Christians say. And some of you are like, What? <laughs> Yeah, it's stupid, because like <laughs> Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know whether or not they belong to me. You know, and and so, so we can encourage people, hey, you should examine your heart. We see that all throughout the Bible, but I didn't include it in the sermon series. Some of you are like, good. Uh, but John is saying, hey, if this is where you're camping, if, this, if you're engrossed in sin, you're unrepentant about it, you, and it doesn't bother you, then you're, pro- then you're not a child of God. And you're, you're still in your sins. You're still a child of the devil because no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Um, Like if you continue in your love of the world, you're not a child of God. If you remain unwilling to love and forgive, you are not a child of God. If you hate anyone who is loved by God and your heart is unwilling to change towards that person, you are not a child of God. Jesus told a parable about forgiveness. He said, if you're not willing to forgive... Then you, probably, then you don't really belong to me. Um, there are some hard things that Jesus said in, in the Gospels that he said to his disciples. Um, and the reason why a child of God cannot continue in deliberate, unrepentant sin is because, John says, God's seed abides in him. Meaning God, you know, just, just like, like Nathan and Seth share the, the DNA of his mother and I, um, when you become born again, the Bible says you are a new creation, you are a new creature, you are his child now, and his DNA, because you're a member of his family, is changing you. Not that you become a God like him, but you are, you are a member of the family, and your actions will reflect that. Not perfectly, but over the course of time, more and more, you will look like Jesus to be born of God is to be a member of his family, and to be a member of his family is to be a son or a daughter of the living God. There's another name that I want us to consider, or I want to remind you of, and that is Abba. That's, 
if you're a child of God, we are invited, we are encouraged to, be a, to, to call God Abba, which means what? Daddy. Father. Like the same word that Jesus used in addressing God the Father, we are told we can now use if you're a child of the living God. Think about what that means. And he is a good father. If you're a dad in this room, and you want, or, or a mom, if you want to model parenting that is good for your children, model it after God. If you want to know how God responds to sinners and, and, and how he uh, wants you to deal with you know, your neighbors and your children, look at the life of Jesus. There's this verse in Galatians chapter 4. I'm wrapping this up now. Paul said this, and I, I want you to be encouraged by this, so I think we should all read it. Ready? Let's read it. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You hear that? Like, if you're a child of God, you are an heir of all that belongs to Jesus. That was last week's sermon. I, wanted, I just really wanted to highlight that. If you're a child of God, you're an heir of all that belongs to Jesus. There was nothing, that, nobody can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You belong to him, and you are his if you're truly born again. And so that's, he concludes this section in, in, in John chapter 3 and verse 10, where he says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Because God is doing this change in your life. He's changing your heart, changing your mind, changing your behavior. So the question I want to leave you with is who are you? Who are you? I mean, this is an uncomfortable sermon. I feel like it's one of the more important sermons I've preached. But who are you? Statistically speaking, one-third of congregations are like, yes, I'm all in. I love Jesus. Show me how I can serve. Show me what I can do. I want to grow in him. I'm hungry for his word. And then the other third is like, yeah, I'm kind of new at this. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not sure, you know. And then there's the other third that's just, you know, I'm just doing this because it feels like the right thing to do. I show up to church. I, I, I at least come twice a year, Christmas and Easter. And it's that one third that, I, that really need to ask the question who they really are. It's a healthy question to ask. If you're, if, you're, if you're genuinely a born-again believer, if you're genuinely a child of God, it's a good question to ask because it will force you to reflect on all that God has done for you and what it means to be his, to be his child. And if you're not, if you're just playing the religious game, you're still a child of the devil. And that's a really dangerous place to be. If you're here, if you're watching the live stream, and you're engrossed in unrepentant sin, and you just don't want to change. Maybe you're having an affair. Maybe you're living with your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Maybe there's another part of your lifestyle. You just, and you're just, you don't give a rip what God thinks. You need to repent and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and turn from your sins. I came across two quotes one was earlier in the week, and the other one was just yesterday. And uh, the first quote, uh, for those of you who are just in unrepentant sin, you're, maybe you're just trying to figure out who Jesus is. 
but you're not the child of God, I, I, I want to leave this with you. And if, you're, and if you're in sin and you need to repent and you are a child of God and, you're, and you feel the Holy Spirit just compelling you to repent, maybe you need to forgive somebody that you're unwilling to forgive. Or maybe you need to turn from some sin that you have been reluctant to turn from and it's been bothering you. I want you to hear these words. It's by John Bunyan. The, the, the words won't be on the screen, but John Bunyan said this. I, I thought it was so good. He that runs from God in the morning will hardly find him at the close of the day. It's morning, brothers and sisters. It's morning, my friend. Turn to him when he can be found. At the close of the day, you might not find him. And then for the Christian, I came across this quote yesterday. This is so good. I wrote it in a book. I don't even remember where I read it from. But I, I, I picked up this book, and I'm starting to reading it, read it again, and I wrote it at, on the front page of the book, and it's by Elliot Green. I don't even know who that person is. But this is what this person said. God is ruthlessly patient with his children. And some of you need to hear that. Now, his patience does get exhausted. But he is ruthlessly patient with his children. You're his child if you're a Christian. And he loves you like a father loves his child. And we know that he's promised us that nothing can change that, that there is no condemnation for you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You're his. And some of you just need to camp there and just swim in that reality for a while. And others of you, you may need to turn for some sin. There might be somebody in here where you just need to go and ask for forgiveness from. Or after you leave church today, you might need to do that with a child or a neighbor or whatever. Or there might be something else you need to turn from. And for those of you who don't know yet, Jesus yet, my encouragement to you is that before you leave here or before you turn off your computer, those watching the live stream, that you will that you'll pray to God and just say, God, I want Jesus in my life. And I'm not just talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about I want him in my life. Like I don't have all the answers to my questions solved theologically, but, but I do believe he died for my sins, and I do believe that he rose from the grave, and I do believe now that he is the only way that I can know what it means to be a son or a daughter of the living God. I want that, and if you're here and you want that, I'm encouraging that you pray before you leave here. Resolve that with God before you leave here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace that is ours in Jesus. That for those of us who have been, been saved, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we are sons, we are daughters of you. And with that comes all the rights and privileges of a firstborn child. We are yours. And because we are yours, you are ours. You are our daddy. You are our father. And for others in this room, or maybe, that may be in this room or watching the live stream, God, I just pray that you would compel them if they need to repent, if they need to give their life to, to you because they do not yet know you, God, that you, will, that you would just compel them to do so before they leave this room or before they turn off their computer screen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you need to talk, I'm always available. would love to talk to you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, 
visit meadowbrook.org.